Welcome to the 142nd podcast and the 112th is a city on a hill church. The new year is upon us, which means that we're one year closer to Jesus' return. But is our faith in Jesus' return a blind faith? Or over the past year, has the Lord added some signposts that bolster that hope we all share? As Pastor Mike's custom at this time of year, he presents what he calls his prophecy update, where he highlights some of the new signposts. This update he's entitled, Behold, I Come Quickly. Here is Pastor Michael Clark. Okay, so this Sunday and next... I'm going to do a couple of uh, special messages, prophecy messages. I used to do, for many years, we did a a, a New Year's Eve service at our church over on Highline, the Calvary Chapel, and um, it was always sort of a prophecy update. Some of you remember that. Uh, We would go from about, I don't know, I think we'd started about seven, and we were usually done before midnight so people could get home. Uh, but we had worship, and, and I did about two to three hours worth of teachings on prophecy, kind of current events that were happening uh, uh, basically in the last year to show that we were one year closer uh, prophetically to Jesus Christ's return. <clears throat> and since we're not able to do the service, the New Year's Eve service here this year, I'm going to go ahead and take a couple of weeks to look at some prophecy and uh, some, some end times uh, sort of messages, eschatology here, uh, for the, the last uh, Sunday of the year, and then the first Sunday of the year. <clears throat> and so these, these will be uh, this Sunday and next uh, end times prophecy messages. So I've titled this message, Behold, I Come Quickly. And if you'd like to open up your Bibles to Revelation chapter 22... We're just going to read a few verses here and get right into the message. Revelation 22 and verse 10 is where we'll start. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong. Let the one who is filthy still be filthy. And let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness. And let the one who is holy still keep himself holy. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man According to what he has done, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Verse 15 Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers, and the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. Now, I normally uh, don't tell jokes here, but I'm going to start with a a little funny story related to the cold weather that I heard that I, I just... I just think it's funny. I wanted to share it with you. So <clears throat> there was a, uh, and, and Florian probably knows this joke because he knows every joke on, in history, but <clears throat> there was a baby polar bear up in the Arctic. <clears throat> and the baby polar bear came up one day to his mother and said, Mom, what am I? And she says, well, you're, you're a polar bear, polar bear, honey. And he said, oh, okay. And he went back to his little place and Continue what he was doing. The next day, the polar bear came back to his mom again, and he said, Mom, he says, uh, I'm a polar bear, right? She says, yes, honey, you're a polar bear. And, and he said, and what are you? She says, well, I'm a polar bear also. And he says, oh, okay. And he says, and what is dad? She goes, well, your father, he's a polar bear too. We're both polar bears. All three of us are polar bears. 
he goes, oh, okay. And he went back to doing what he was doing. And the next day, <clears throat> the third day, he comes back to his mom. He says, mom, he says, let me get this straight. He says, you're a polar bear, right? Right. Dad's a polar bear, right? Yep. And he says, and I'm a polar bear. She goes, yeah, you're a polar bear too, honey. He goes, if we're all polar bears, then why am I so freezing cold? I think it's appropriate with our weather this morning. I was just <coughs> thinking about that as I was getting up, getting ready for church. Why is it so freezing cold? Even the polar bears are cold in this weather. <clears throat> so Revelation 22.10, he says, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. As we get closer to the return of Jesus Christ <clears throat> and nearer to his return to the earth, we begin to see more and more prophecies fulfilled. And literally, it's, it's like the, the veil is drawn back and, and the, the end times are shown to us in the scriptures and they begin to make sense to us. In previous generations of church history, uh, prophecy really wasn't relevant. As a matter of fact, if you read old church historians, even very good church historians like uh, Martin Luther and, and John Calvin or um, uh, you know, some of the origins, some of the early church fathers, um, St. Augustine, these men were brilliant men. They were brilliant thinkers, St. Thomas Aquinas, but they had no clue about eschatology. They really had no understanding about end times theology. Uh, wherever they, you know, kind of looked at the book of Revelation or the Olivet Discourse or the prophecies concerning the second coming of Christ, uh, they were way off in what they thought was going to happen and what their understanding was. And it just really actually makes a lot of sense practically that they wouldn't, God wouldn't really show them the end times because they weren't going to be living in the end times. They were hundreds or even a couple thousands of years away from the return of Jesus Christ. And so end times theology or the study of eschatology was not really relevant to their generation. They were more focused on building uh, the foundations of Christian theology, which they did for us, uh, and dealing with the issues of evangelism and missions work because their main thrust and their main responsibility was to get the gospel to the whole world. It really wasn't concerned with the second coming of Christ. They knew that Jesus could come back. They knew that Jesus was going to come back, but that's about it. They really didn't know the details of the specifics of the timing of when Jesus was going to return and, and the details of the rapture of the church and the millennial reign of Christ and these sorts of things uh, because it really didn't pertain to their generation. But as you get into the end times generation, as you get into the generation that is going to see the return of Jesus Christ or get closer to the return of Jesus Christ, eschatology becomes or the study of end times events becomes more relevant and related to our generation. And so it just makes sense that we would have more enlightenment from the Holy Spirit, more understanding and more teaching on end times theology or eschatology because this is what pertains primarily to the last day's generation is the return of Jesus Christ. It is more relevant to us than to any other generation in history. Now, am I saying that we are the generation that will see the return of Jesus Christ? No one knows. No one knows exactly when Jesus is going to return, but we know we certainly are much closer to the return of Jesus Christ than they were 500 years ago during the time of Martin Luther or 1,000 years ago during the time of St. Thomas Aquinas or 1,500 years ago with Augustine and so forth. They were hundreds or thousands of years away from the return of Christ. It didn't relate to their generation. We are 2,000 years closer uh, to the return of Jesus Christ, and so it is more relevant to us. And I believe that this is even what uh, the Scriptures teach here. Jesus teaches, Behold, I'm coming quickly. Uh, my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is near. We are being, we are being prepared uh, by the Holy Spirit for 
Jesus Christ's return because we are going to be the generation that has to hand the baton off to the next generation if Jesus does not return in our lifetimes, and he may not, we need to pass this information on to the next generation because perhaps the Lord will return in our children's lifetimes, in our grandchildren's lifetimes. And the closer we get to the end, it's kind of like getting closer to a destination. When you're further away from the destination, you can't see it. But the closer you get to that destination and it comes into view, uh, you, you can then see it with more clarity and more detail. And this is how... Uh, eschatology is and the study of eschatology is uh, in the scriptures the closer we get the more uh, information we are given by the scriptures and by the holy spirit and more understanding of that as a matter of fact in revelation chapter one and you don't have to hold your place there in revelation 22 but in revelation chapter one we read this in verse three blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. And so this uh, message, this angel here who was appearing to uh, St. John, uh, the beloved apostle on the Isle of Patmos, was basically telling him, write these things down, uh, make a record of everything I'm going to show you, and, and there's a blessing for everyone who reads this book, the book of Revelation, everyone who hears, hears the words of this book, listens to the book of Revelation, taught or read, and those who heed the things that are written in it, that actually take the book of Revelation and apply it to their personal lives, because for that generation, the generation of the church that, that reads, that hears, that heeds the book of Revelation, that is the generation that is the closest to the return of Jesus Christ. The time for them is near, is what he says. The time is near. Don't uh, seal these things up. Unseal them. Unveil them. Uh, we read in Revelation 22. Now in Daniel, God was showing Daniel some things, some end times prophecy. And uh, Daniel was very curious. As a matter of fact, Daniel had a lot of end times prophecy in his book. But he really didn't understand much of what he was writing or much of what was being shown to him. Uh, and we read in, in Daniel chapter 12, for example, in verse 8, after God was showing Daniel the tribulation period, showing Daniel uh, the trouble that the nation of Israel was going to go through during the tribulation period and the great tribulation period. We read this in Daniel 12, verse 8. He says, as for me, I heard but could not understand. So I said, my Lord, what will the outcome or what will be the outcome of these events? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for these words are concealed and sealed up until the end time. So even the prophet Daniel, a great man of God, who God showed a lot of the future to, Daniel had no idea what he was writing. He was writing these things down for another generation because Daniel wouldn't see these things take place in his day. As a matter of fact, God said, seal them up, Daniel. What I'm showing you is not for you. It's for another generation. It's for the future. This is 2,500 years ago that God told Daniel this. Well, now in our generation, God says, don't seal it up, unseal it, preach it, teach it, read it, study it, because the time is near. And we are, uh, I believe, living uh, in those days that the Bible would call the last days. As a matter of fact, really the whole church age to one degree or another is the last days and the Lord's coming is, is near. But we are ever closer uh, and every year that passes we are one year closer to the return of Jesus Christ. Now in Luke chapter 21, this is a record of uh, some of the teachings of Jesus on the end times and some end times prophecy in Luke chapter 21. A parallel would also be in uh, Matthew chapter 24 in the Olivet Discourse. But Luke 21 verse 28 says this. But when these things, and, and he's talking, Jesus here is speaking of the things of the end times, the signs of the times. When these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. 
Behold the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they put forth leaves, you see it, and know for yourselves that summer is now near. Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Verse 34, be on guard that your hearts may not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of all the earth. But keep on the alert at all times, praying in order that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. And so Jesus has just given them, uh, prior to verse 28, a detailed description and a list of some of the end times events that are going to take place prior to his coming. And he's saying, when you begin to see these signs of the times happening in your generation, when you begin to see these things take place, straighten up, lift up your heads. In other words, look up, look around for, for Jesus' return because he's coming soon. Your redemption is drawing nigh. Verse 36, keep on the alert. Pray in order you will have, that you may have the strength to escape all the things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Uh, we are not um, going to be those who stand before the Son of Perdition or the Antichrist. We're going to stand before Jesus Christ. And I believe that Jesus here is referencing the rapture of the church when he says that you will be prepared and you will be ready uh, to escape the things before they happen, to escape all these things that are coming upon the earth, uh, that he's going to come and take his church first. But we have to be ready. We have to be aware. We have to be cognizant of the hour and the lateness of the hour in which we live so that we will not be tied down with the things of this world, so weighted down and so tied down to the things of this world uh, that we miss uh, Christ coming for his church, dissipation, drunkenness, and the worries of this life, the things that just uh, you know, basically take us away from our first love, uh, which, which is and should be uh, loving the Lord with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And of course, as we get closer to the end and closer to the return of Christ, it's just interesting how churches don't teach about eschatology anymore. This is the time when it should be the most taught in the church. This is the time in church history where it's the most relevant. You know, uh, the gospel's gone to the whole world already. Uh, I remember reading an article earlier this year about a zealous young man. I think he was, I think he was a Christian man from, from Utah, I believe. It, it may have been Arizona, but I think it was Utah. And he had heard that there was one island off of Australia, uh, somewhere out there in the Indone area of Indonesia, Australia, New Zealand, and uh, that, that there was one little people group that had never heard the gospel and that um, he was going to bring a Bible in a canoe. And it was illegal to go to this little island because it, they were a protected people by, uh, they, they were sort of a native tribe of people and they were protected by international agencies and so forth. And so he uh, secretly got on a, a fishing boat and hired these guys to break the law to take him in a little canoe. And he went in his canoe onto this island that was forbidden and he brought the Bible and he went onto this island and they shot him with arrows and spears and they killed him. Um, and, and so some Bible scholars said that, that that was the last unreached people group on planet Earth. And the gospel actually reached their shores and the people killed the man who was bringing them the gospel, uh, the native peoples. Um, and so whether or not that was the last unreached people group in the world the bible doesn't say that the gospel was going to go to every creature or every human being that's not what the great commission was the great commission was jesus said that this gospel will be preached to every nation and then the end will come well that has happened the gospel has already gone to every nation many times over actually in the world and that has only happened in the last 25 years uh, of our lifetime and really 
It took almost 2,000 years of church history for the gospel to get to every single nation on planet Earth. And so uh, the focal point for the church used to be missions. Now it really should be, of course, missions should always be a priority for the church, but it should, it should be uh, uh, eschatology. I mean, it really should be end times theology should be the thrust of, of the driving force of the teaching of the evangelical church in the last days is to prepare us. Now that the church has gone to the whole, or the, the gospel's gone to the whole world, now we need to prepare the church and the world for the second coming of Christ and uh, the tribulation period, the Antichrist, and so forth. Because uh, the Great Commission has, has been fulfilled in our lifetime. In Luke chapter 21 and verse 10, Jesus said this concerning the end times and, and end times prophecy. He said, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes and in various places, plagues and famines. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. Now, we have seen earthquakes recently, uh, earthquakes uh, increasing in frequency and intensity. We just had the huge uh, Ridgecrest, Ridgecrest earthquake not long ago on, on the 4th of July. And, uh, uh, th- you know, there, there are earthquakes happening all over the world all the time, whether you hear about them or not. But seismologists and geologists will tell us that earthquakes are coming with greater frequency and greater intensity. And that's just what's happening right now around the world. That is not uh, an unknown thing. Uh, scientists will tell us this. Um, and, and you're going to have nations ri- rising against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. We see that happening, of course, with wars and rumors of wars and so forth. Plagues and famines taking place uh, all over the world and, and terrors and signs, great signs from heaven. Now, some of these you would say, well, these things have always uh, happened. And indeed, they have always happened. But what Jesus says will be different about these signs in the last days is that they are going to be coming uh, like the birth pangs of a woman before the baby's born. This is what he tells us in Matthew chapter 24. And so, yes, we've always had wars. We've always had nations fighting nations, kingdoms against kingdoms, earthquakes and plagues and famines. Uh, But he says that they're going to come like the birth pangs of a woman before the baby is born. What does that mean? It means that these things will be happening with greater frequency. They're going to be happening more often. And they're going to be happening with greater intensity. They're going to be more severe. So that you, when you see these, these sorts of things happening with greater frequency more often around the world and greater intensity, more severity, which is what we see actually, uh, we know that we are getting closer to the return of Jesus Christ, even as when the birth pangs of a woman, the labor pangs of a woman come, the labor pains come with greater frequency, greater intensity, and then the baby uh, is born. I want to focus on this last part of verse 11, where he says that there will be terrors and great signs in the heavens. In Matthew chapter 24, again, the parallel to this in the Olivet Discourse, Jesus says this in verse 29, He says, but immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory." And so there are going to be signs in the heavens, signs in the heavens that will be we will be experiencing on planet Earth with greater frequency and intensity uh, before the Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth. Now, we have had a number of uh, solar eclipses that have taken place here. There was just a, a solar eclipse here across North America a couple of years ago. Uh, they just experienced a solar eclipse actually last week uh, in, in uh, some of the parts of the world. And, uh, and so we, we see these solar eclipses taking place. Uh, we, we have, of course, 
greater access to observe these events because of the internet and because of technology. And so where something is happening on the other side of the world now, let's say a total lunar eclipse or a total solar eclipse, the whole world now can experience this. So to some degree, we are now tied in uh, in a way that we never have been to experiencing these signs from the heavens. And this is true for uh, reporting on, on, on famines, on wars, and so forth as well, uh, and, and are given in the scriptures by Jesus concerning the last days are, are signs, terrors in the heavens, the sun being darkened, the moon not giving its light, and the stars falling from the sky. Um, Revelation chapter 6 also talks about this. So, you know, let everything be established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. When you see something repeated over and over again in the scriptures, you know that you should pay attention. In Revelation chapter 6 and verse 12, we read this. I looked and he broke the sixth seal and there was a great earthquake And the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair. And the whole moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. And the sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders... And the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to stand. And so we once again see an earth we see earthquakes or a great earthquake we see the sun being blackened as sackcloth which would indicate a total solar eclipse uh, or perhaps uh, you know ash and fire and smoke from the earth just blackening out the sun where you won't be able to see the sun shining because of the ash and the uh, destruction of the fires on the earth uh, the moon turning to blood, that would either be a total lunar eclipse or it would be, again, uh, ash and, and smoke from the earth going up into the atmosphere to block the sun to where it, it, all you see is the, uh, the, the blood red color. And then you have the stars falling to the earth. You have the uh, um, literally asteroids coming, stars of the sky falling to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. So there will be numerous uh, projectiles coming from the heavens, hitting the earth. Uh, literally, the earth will be, at this point, bombarded by falling stars or by asteroids. This is why it says that the, the kings and all the powerful people that are here on the earth at the time, they go into the caves and they go under the ground they go under rocks and into caves because that's the only place that you're safe from the asteroids that are coming to pummel planet earth at this time and of course this is this is right before the lord returns so again these are going to these are going to be happening as we get closer but they are going to be happening with greater frequency and intensity up until the return of jesus christ so what do we see do we see signs in the heavens? Do we see, if, if you study uh, astronomy and you read uh, uh, astronomers' writings or articles, news articles, what do they say is happening with uh, the heavens and, and with uh, astronomy and the study of the stars? Well, they're seeing things and they're reporting on things that, number one, they don't understand, that don't, things that don't make sense to them with, with all of their uh, um, you know, old, old universe uh, uh, old timeline for the universe um, science, things that are out of place, things that don't make sense to them. And, and there's just things that are, you know, unexpected that are happening in the stars. Um, again, we just had a solar eclipse last week. That, that was something that was, was fairly normal, but you're going to probably see more and more of these solar eclipses as we, get, as we get closer, and lunar eclipses as we get closer to 
uh, the return of Christ. But I read an article last week that, uh, that, that I found was very interesting. Um, they say that there is a star that has very likely exploded and they are watching for the effects of this exploded star to actually uh, uh, be verified and to, to be confirmed to us. And, and I'm going to, uh, let me see if I can pull this up here on my phone. I'm going to read this to you real quick. This is, this is from National Geographic. And this is, uh, was just published last week, December 26, 2019. Now, this is a star that is very prominent in our sky. It's a star that's very well known. Uh, the star is Betelgeuse, or is sometimes pronounced Betelgeuse. And the article says this, A giant star is acting strange, and astronomers are buzzing. The red giant Betelgeuse is the dimmest seen in years, prompting some speculation that the star is about to explode. Here's what we know. The constellation Orion is one of the most recognizable patterns in the night sky, visible around the world. But if you've looked at Orion recently and thought something seemed off, you're not wrong. The giant red star Betelgeuse, which marks the hunter's right shoulder, is the dimmest it's been in almost a century. Normally, Betelgeuse is among the ten brightest stars in the sky. However, the red giant began dimming in October, and by mid-December, the star had faded so much that it wasn't even in the top 20. Villanova University's Edwin Gwenin reported in an astronomer's telegram, quote, Now the outline of Orion is noticeably different with Betelgeuse so faint, he says, unquote. To be clear, dimming alone isn't all that odd for a star like Betelgeuse. It's what's known as a variable star, and its shifts in brightness have been closely studied for decades. However, it is unusual for one of the sky's most prominent points of light to fade so noticeably, prompting scientists to consider the possibility that something more exciting could be about to happen. Betelgeuse might explode and die briefly blazing brighter than the full moon before vanishing from our night sky forever. Huge red stars like Betelgeuse live fast and die violently, exploding in stellar events called supernovae that are visible across vast distances. So while Betelgeuse is a relatively young star, astronomers know that it is nearing the end of its life. The biggest question now is when it will explode in a supernova. UC Berkeley's Serafina Nace, who studies Betelgeuse and stellar explosions, said on Twitter, Disclaimer, I don't think it's going to explode anytime soon, she added during an interview with National Geographic, but I'm excited for when it does. Now, they're saying that when this star explodes, it's, it's, they don't think it's going to affect us here on planet Earth uh, because it, it, it's far enough away. I think it's 600 light years away. Uh, is what they said, but it um, it is certainly yeah 600 light years away. It says here is how far away it is. So they don't think it's going to necessarily affect the Earth. But then again, we've never seen a star explode before uh, in our night sky. So it's just unusual. I mean, they they didn't even know this was happening uh, before mid October that this star is is possibly dying. Uh, besides this, the article goes on to say that that it's possible. Uh, because this star is so far away, that Betelgeuse exploded uh, 600 years ago, and it's just now reaching. The light's just reaching us here today, uh, but it's already a dead star. It already exploded because it's so far away, the light of the explosion just hasn't reached us yet. But this is certainly unusual behavior of the stars in the heavens. You don't, you don't have one of your major constellations that people have navigated the world by Orion's belt and, and, and the stars in the heavens on the oceans and, and so forth. They've used these stars to navigate planet Earth for thousands of years. You don't just have a star just explode. It's not a normal thing. So would that be an indication that, that perhaps more is to come and, and that uh, we're going to see more of these sorts of signs in the heavens? I think we are. Um, it's certainly perplexing uh, astronomers. There is also, what, what I found interesting, uh, uh, 
Brian from Brian showed me a, a video or sent me a video link that, that I really uh, did some research on about a possible asteroid that is heading toward us, the asteroid Apophis. That it actually uh, there there are some questions as to whether or not we are going to get hit on planet Earth by this asteroid on um, April thirteenth, two thousand and twenty nine. Uh, and there, there's really very good evidence to suggest that there is possibly a cover-up taking place at NASA and the governments around the world because they don't want to terrify the people of planet Earth. Uh, as a matter of fact, there are NASA scientists who definitively ran the formulas and said, we are going to have a direct impact in 2029 with this asteroid. And this is a big asteroid. I'll read you some of the dimensions of this asteroid Apophis. Uh, but what they ended up doing was, is they fired all of these astronomers who came up with these equations, and they hired new math astronomers who used variations and different equations of pi to come up with different variables of the trajectory that say, okay, we're not going to get hit by this asteroid. Don't panic. Don't worry. These other astronomers were wrong in their math. Our new astronomers are right in their math. Uh, but there's, there's good reason to believe that, that the uh, governments of planet Earth are preparing for an asteroid strike. As a matter of fact, how many of you saw the creation of the United States Space Force in the budget two weeks ago when the Congress and the president passed the budget, they passed money to create a new space force. Now, all over the world, in France and Great Britain, most of the developed world, they are now funding a space force. And they say it is to protect the Earth from uh, rogue nations, from uh, uh, EMP attacks, from foreign governments going after satellites and so forth. But it is very possible that they are preparing for an asteroid strike. And the governments of the world are now spending hundreds of millions of dollars in known funding, possibly billions of dollars in black project funding, which doesn't really get publicized, to try and figure out what you do with an asteroid that's going to hit the planet. As a matter of fact, NASA, the, the head of NASA, the director of NASA, is on record of saying there is a 100% certainty that we are going to get hit by a major asteroid on planet Earth, probably in our lifetimes. That's not a, there's no doubt. They say it's just a matter of time. Uh, we've been hit by huge asteroids before. They say a giant asteroid killed the dinosaurs, etc. And so they know that this is coming. Now, whether or not we get hit in 2029, or whether we get hit before 2029, or whether we only get hit at the end of this generation, because the book of Revelation just told us that the stars are going to fall from the sky. So we know that the Bible tells us this is going to happen. Jesus told us this is going to happen. Uh, now astronomers are telling us this is going to happen. Uh, and some astronomers are telling us we know when it's going to happen. We have a date of time, and we probably likely they probably likely know the trajectory of what part of planet Earth is going to get hit by this asteroid. But let me tell you about uh, this asteroid, Apophis. Apophis uh, is a near-Earth asteroid with a diameter of 370 meters that caused a brief period of concern in December of 2004 because, and this is from Wikipedia, so this, this would be part, if there, is, if there is any sort of a NASA cover-up, this would be a part of the party line story of the, uh, that, that would be part of the cover-up. Uh, he says, it, it, with a diameter of 370 meters, a brief period of concern in December 2004, because initial observations indicated a probability of up to 2.7% that it would hit the Earth on April 13, 2029, Additional observations provided improved predictions, the new math predictions, that eliminated the possibility of an impact on the Earth or the Moon in 2029. However, until 2006, a possibility remained that during the 2029 close encounter with the Earth, 
a posis would pass, pass through a gravitational keyhole, a small region no more than 800 meters in diameter that would set up a future impact exactly seven years later on April 13th, 2036. This possibility kept it at a level one on the Torino impact hazard scale until August of uh, 2006 when the probability that Apophis would pass through the keyhole was determined to be very small and Apophis's rating on the Torino scale was lowered uh, to zero. So you see there were initial reports by scientists and astronomers who said, and, and this, this is actually uh, not exactly what, what, what I have uh, heard. There, there is a much greater possibility and was a much greater possibility that, than 2.9% that we were going to get hit by this asteroid. Uh, but again, what would it do to the population if everybody knew that we were going to get hit by an asteroid in this date? Uh, it would cause panic. It would cause pandemonium. If they knew that we were going to get struck by a, you know, a, a thousand, uh, uh, um, a thousand um, meter um, asteroid that could destroy a, a city, if it hit New York City or it hit Los Angeles or something like this, what sort of panic would it cause? And, and so it is, it, is a very, it is a very real possibility. And again, the Bible says we're going to get hit by an asteroid eventually or numerous asteroids eventually. So whether this is one of them, whether it's in 2029 or before that, uh, it, it just goes to show that this is something that the world is now thinking about, the world is concerned about. And the problem is, is you can't really stop a big asteroid. Even if they knew we were going to get hit, they couldn't stop it. If you went up when you tried, these things are moving at 24,000 uh, uh, miles an hour up in space uh, or, or faster. Maybe it's 24,000 miles a second. I don't know. But it's, it's faster than anything we could send up there to chase it down. So if we were to try and send a, a rocket after it and with our you know, uh, fastest propulsion that we have available. We couldn't catch this thing. There's no way if we put something out there waiting for it, it'd be going too fast for us to stop it. Even if we could hit it with a nuclear bomb, like movies have been made about blowing it up with a nuclear bomb or something like this, uh, then you'd have a thousand big projectiles pummeling the earth instead of one big projectile pummeling the earth because it would still come to the earth and pummel the earth. It's not going to stop its trajectory to hit planet earth even if you blew it up into a thousand pieces besides that the scientists tell us that if you blew up one of these uh, asteroids because of their magnetic pull and because of their speed they would just reorganize again into one uh, asteroid again you blew it up it would come back together again be pulled back together because of gravity and force and uh and uh, uh mag magnetism so uh, it is something that is definitely interesting to keep to keep your eyes open and to keep aware of. Um, they say that this Apophis would make an atmospheric, atmospheric entry with 1,200 megatons of kinetic energy. Uh, the impacts that created the meteor crater in Arizona um, in, uh, and the Tunguska event of 1908 are estimated to be between three to 10 megatons. So the biggest ones that we have experienced in recent memory on planet Earth are only 3 to 10 megatons. This is 1,200 megatons of kinetic energy. The biggest hydrogen bomb that ever was exploded, the SAR bomb, was around 57 megatons. Again, this one's 1,200 megatons. And the 1883 eruption of uh, Krakatoa was the equivalent of roughly 200 megatons and so this is this is a huge you know uh, event if this if this asteroid hits us and again uh, you know maybe the the new mathematicians are right and the old ones were wrong with their with their old math uh or maybe there is a big cover-up happening and that's why all the world's governments are putting millions hundreds of millions of dollars into a space force to try and get into outer space to see if they can somehow uh, derail uh, this from happening or to change its trajectory but needless to say, um, there are asteroids that are going to hit the earth, and we know this for a fact because the Bible tells us this is coming. In Revelation chapter 8, as a matter of fact, there is a star uh, called Wormwood that is going to hit the earth, and it's going to create 
tremendous uh, chaos and damage. Revelation chapter 8, verse 7 says, The first angel sounded, there came hail and fire mixed with blood. They were thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up. A third of the trees were burned up, and all of the green grass was burned up. And so, signs from heavens, hail and fire mixed with blood hitting the earth, burning up the trees. That's what asteroids would do. They cause fires. They're explosions like nuclear bombs. Um, burning up the grass. Burning up the trees. Uh, a second angel sounded, verse 8 of Revelation 8. Something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. So an asteroid coming from the sky, like a mountain coming from the sky, burning with fire, thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. So again, a huge asteroid even hitting the ocean would cause tremendous damage to life on planet Earth. Uh, verse 10 of Revelation 8, a third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven. So you have a third uh, record of an, of, of, of an asteroid or something uh, coming from, from space hitting the earth. A great star fell from heaven burning like a torch and it fell on the third of the rivers and on the springs of water. And the name of the star is called Wormwood and a third of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. And the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars were smitten, so that a third of them might be darkened, and the day might not shine for a third of it, and the night in the same way. And I looked, and I heard an angel flying in midheaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. So these are judgments from God upon the earth because the earth has overwhelmingly rejected Jesus Christ. And I believe at this point, the rapture has already happened. So God's children, the church, are already taken off the planet before this happens. And so this is really the judgment of God coming against those who have rejected Jesus Christ and who have accepted the Antichrist, the devil's man, who's going to be ruling at that time. And these are very clearly descriptions of uh, objects coming from outer space and the damage that they will do to the earth, even blocking out the, the sun and the moon because of the impact and the explosions and the ash and the smoke from the fires and so forth. So... Um, it is interesting to, to, to kind of look at, you know, at what the headlines are telling us, look at what our government is spending money on, um, and, uh, and then look at what the scriptures have always said is coming, uh, because the Bible uh, knows, God knows the future. He told us the future uh, thousands of years uh, before uh, things happen. God's outside of space and time. So I want to close in Luke 21, and, and, and I'll pick this up again uh, next week we're going to continue this study next week this will be part one uh, of a two-part message here but i want to go back to luke chapter 21 <clears throat> where we started here luke 21 and verse 28 where jesus says this he says but when these things begin to take place straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He doesn't say, go plan what you're going to do when the asteroid hits. Don't go build yourself bunkers in a mountain and have lots of canned beans and guns and bullets to fight the devil and the Antichrist. He doesn't say, go prepare uh, to be here for the tribulation. He says, when you begin to see these things take place, as you begin to see these prophecies fulfilled, he says, get ready because I'm coming back for you. Straighten up, lift up your heads, look up because your redemption is drawing near. Verse 34, be on guard that your hearts may not be weighted down with dissipation, things that don't matter. Don't spend your time uh, uh, on things and your money on things that don't matter eternally. Drunkenness, you know, uh, just, just partying and partying down uh, like everybody else. And the worries of this life being tied down to the things of this world, that that day come on you suddenly like a trap. Uh, but keep on the alert at all times, praying in order that you may have the strength to escape all these things 
that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So we don't have to fear, guys. As Christians, we don't fear what's coming. We know that the Lord's in control. We know that uh, it's God's mercy that uh, man has continued to prosper on the earth and continued to propagate on the earth and to fill the earth. Uh, And we know that these things are coming, but they're coming to judge those who reject Jesus Christ. They're coming on the earth to be a judgment of God against those who have rejected God's only begotten Son and to punish those who have followed the Antichrist, the devil's man. But we're not called uh, to, to worry or to fear. We're to look up and to be excited that we know the future, we know it's coming, and we know that God is going to rescue us. He has a rescue plan in place. We are going to escape these things that are about to take place. We can't be tied down. We can't be caught up with the things of this world. We have to remember that that this world is passing away and also it's lust, uh, but the one who does the will of God endures forever. God bless you all. Thanks for being here today. Be safe out there on the roads. Be safe on the ice and spend your... uh, New Year's Eve, spend some time with the Lord as a family, as a couple, whoever you're with. Spend time with the Lord. Usher in your new year at a time of prayer and and studying the word, not revelry and partying like the world. We're getting close, guys. Jesus is coming back. Uh, He's coming back soon. And so uh, be excited about this. It's not something we should fear. We should be excited because the Lord uh, told us these things in advance to prepare us for his coming. And we should be telling everybody we know uh, to get ready because uh, Jesus is coming back soon and he's coming back for you and for me. He's coming back for his bride, his church, to usher us into heaven uh, where we're going to be with him for all eternity. God bless you all. Thanks for being here today. We all want to thank you for listening. If this message has blessed you, as we all pray that it has, send the link to this podcast to your friends. Working together, we can get Michael's teaching of the whole of God's inerrant word to all those who hunger to hear it. If you would like to see this ministry expand to reach even more of the broken and lost, if you have questions, comments, and prayer requests, email us at coah podcast at gmail.com. We would be honored to pray for you, as we hope you are praying for us. Good day and God bless from City on a Hill Church to Hatchapi, California.